afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to State Tournament Roundtable number three. And we have changed locations, but we are not changing the spirit of the State Tournament Roundtable. I am really excited to have Mark Kruger, head girls basketball coach at Millard West High School. He's waving on a podcast. He doesn't realize this is an audio platform and not a visual and an audio, as my son Carter just took a picture of him. Casey Hall, assistant girls basketball coach and frequent guest on a pen and a napkin. Definitely the most guest appearances of anybody in a pen and a napkin history. And Paul Markley, back for more. He was on yesterday. He's on here today. Even though he keeps lobbing insults at me about my my palate, my age. Other, What other things have you thrown in my direction, Your Paul? Fandoms, Depends probably. How long Fandom, yep. yes. Depends how long the podcast is tonight. I'm sure I can get three or four more things in tonight. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take that. Uh, we have changed locations uh, tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, we're taping this on Wednesday night, so this will be dropped Thursday morning. We are taping it at the End Zone, which is located at 728 Q Street in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, they have been terrific to us here. Uh, they have the best best wings that you can get in Lincoln, uh, is, what they, is what they tell us. And I think we're going to, I don't know about you guys, I think we're going to have to verify that at some point during the podcast. Probably true, yeah. I can verify that they're Phillies. I had yesterday. They're Philly sandwiches, phenomenal. A Philly sandwich? Philly sandwich. All right. Top notch. We will, we will take that. And hopefully Carter Plum will be willing to give us a food review at some point. His brother Michael was on a couple of days ago. So, Carter, prepare yourself. It's a family affair. All right, buddy? He's de- Yeah, he just smiled and nodded. So, uh, we also, um, the four of us uh, would like to give out the... Uh, you know, every once in a while we throw a random award out on the a pen and a napkin. Today it is the uh, milk carton award to one Andy Gerlez. Andy, where are you? <laughs> we miss you. We know you're still here. Uh, come down and visit us, Andrew. Uh, we just, we just, we just want to spend some QT with you, with with you, Coach G. So, uh, no, we're excited to to talk about a bunch of stuff here. Uh, the first two round tables have been really good. I'm sure this is going to be another really good one here today. So we got about five or six things that we're going to talk about. Um, where do you guys want to start at? What do you want to talk about here? It's your show, man. It's, it's my show. All right. I mean, the audience from last night begged for the Bobby Knight story. But once I told you the story, you told me off air, this is just a PG-13, so we cannot <laughs> tell the Bobby Knight story. I'm, I'm sorry, all you fans of... And napkin, we cannot tell the story tonight. The Bobby Knight story will have to wait for maybe maybe if you come to the Pen and a Napkin Coaches Clinic on Saturday, Coach April the ninth, maybe you could hear or the after hours of <laughs> yes. Pen and Napkin. Yes, we could we could do that as well. well. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the big news in our state today. Um, a, a very good step forward. Uh, many would agree it's a step forward, but we could have taken more steps with this, uh, but the state of Nebraska did decide to implement the 35-second shot clock for next season. So it's going to be a quick turnaround. The, the next, you know, this will be the the last games in in Nebraska for Class A schools uh, to play without a shot clock. Um, I think the overwhelming majority of coaches uh, favor the shot clock. They want to see it. I I always. Uh, you know, I believe that on our biggest stage, we want to have the most possessions. We want to have the most excitement. We want to sell our game to the best of our ability here. And uh, I understand the rules of the game. Uh, if there's no shot clock and you've got a great ball handler and you're up six with three or four minutes left to go, I get it. You know, that's 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 the rules that we're given. But I think this is going to be a, a big plus for our game here in the state. Again, it's Class A, which is, for, for those of you unfamiliar with Nebraska, those are the bigger classes. Uh, for for Mark and Casey, uh, they're going to work with that next year. Um, and the ruling is, if if Paul plays at a Class A school next year, he can tell them whether or not they can have, or whether or not you want the shot clock for that game. So, your guys' thoughts on it? What do you think? Um, well, first of all, yeah, it's a it's a huge step forward. Um, it is just right as of right now on a one year sort of trial basis um double double secret probation here right kind of a thing i did i did speak with with a athletic director today 
um, who, who did say, he told me, don't worry, it's not going away after one year. So it sounds like this is going to be here to stay, which is, which is great. Um, we had it in our, uh, in our conference tournament here in Omaha um, back, in the, back in December, and uh, it was great. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't issues at all. Um, I think a lot of people thought maybe there'd be 10 or 12 possessions a game where, where girls were having to chuck up a, a, a shot at the, at the horn, and you rarely saw it. Uh-huh. You rarely saw it, and it was it was great. There was um, a couple of games I felt like that were affected by it in a in a positive way, um, where the games were finished by playing basketball and not a free throw contest. Yeah, um, and it just made it a much more enjoyable finish. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I've been on board for a long time, and I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I, it, I think it's great for basketball in general. I mean, we know Iowa has gone to it both boys and girls next year 100 percent i think it's great and hopefully nebraska continues to grow to make it better um like mark said i think it was something that was great for the metro tournament for class a um this year and like we we discussed as coaches like do we need to worry about shot clock do we need to put set plays in do we need to do certain things to make sure it's like we as coaches are prepared for it and like, we came to kind of agreement, like, let them play. And if we get in that situation, we get in that situation. It kind of – and it never, for us, uh, the one time we had it for a game, it never came to effect, really. Right. And so, before before we played our, our game in, with the shot clock, um, we uh, I went and watched our, our previous game and just timed it with my phone, our possessions. And the team we were playing was a, a really good team. And they were they pressed us a little bit, so we had to work to get the ball down the floor. And uh, I think in the in the first half, I counted like one possession where it was getting right down. It would have gotten right down to the wire. And and we're not a you know take the air out of the ball kind of team. So um, I I just kind of came to the conclusion that you know this isn't something we're going to really worry about for one game um, and, and change things that we do. But, uh, like I said, it, it really wasn't a factor in the game that we played or the ones that I watched. Mm-hmm. It, Paul, what do you think about having it, you know, you and I are a class or two below. Uh, you know, how are you feeling about it for, for you potentially trickling down into your yeah, class B, my I, class C1? You know, I think it's great for basketball. So, if I was a class B coach, I would all four. If I go and play class A school... I want to implement that. So I think we saw a great example today in the C1, the girls game. So fourth quarter, a team's down by 10 points, and the winning team runs the first two minutes off the clock. Yeah. So let's think about that. So that takes away a lot of possessions. So if you have a 30-second, 35-second shot clock, well, that's another maybe two possessions that team gets. Minimum. To make it a closer game. So then maybe you have a better opportunity for – it's one of the things where, as a fan of basketball – you want to see the best team win, but yeah. maybe that best team is not always ahead going in the fourth quarter. Uh-huh. So, is it fair for that team if they're busting their butts playing defense, if they're down by ten points? Maybe that gives them a better chance of coming back and winning. So, I think it's great for basketball. I think it'd be interesting to see how it goes for Class A. I only see success for Class A, and I really hope it trickles down for the rest yeah. of the classes. And, and as do I. I mean, I'm at a smaller school now. Uh, I was at a bigger school and then and now at a, a smaller school and and I just I just think in the in the history of sports no one has ever said no too much scoring slow down don't be so entertaining we, we don't want any excitement um, and, and I think that's what it brings to it like like you said that the, the I know exactly which game you're talking about you know it's not a 32 minute game at that point now it's a 24 minute game and again that's the rules of the game, and I, I remember, um, I was at a state championship soccer game for my old school. This was a long time ago, 10, 12 years ago, and our team had two stud forwards, Division One, high-level Big Ten forwards, and they were playing, they were playing a team in the state championship game. And what they basically did for the entirety of the game 
is they put two players on one forward, two players on the other forward, and they had the other six players play the rest of the field, and then they had the goalie. And they essentially played the full whatever it is in high school. I can't remember how long they go in overtime, but let's say 50, 30, you know, it's a 110-minute game yeah. it, with the overtimes. They played. They, they didn't even try to score for 110 minutes. They just wanted to get it to a shootout, and they ended up beating us in the shootout. Right. Again, I understand the spirit of the, I understand the rules of the game, and they're playing the hand that they're dealt. But did the best team really win? And and I've always kind of gone with that example, even though it's a it's a crossover example. You know, you're supposed to develop the best players and the best teams, and 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 it's intended to have the most possessions as 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 you can. Yeah, and there's and there's two sides to that argument. You know, like I think some schools or some some coaches would say, well, you're really hurting the underdog with the uh, you know the inability now to slow down the game and limit possessions and and so you're you're hurting the underdog and and there's probably some truth to that but there's also the side of you know it, it, you're going to get if you are behind it, you're going to be guaranteed possessions to try to be able to come back yeah um rather than you know again you're down 15 points and you you can't get the ball back yeah um, and so, whether you're the favorite or the underdog, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So, it, you know, it, there's a lot. Again, you can look at it both ways, but uh, again, overall, I think it improves the game of basketball, and, and that's the bottom line. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest adjustment, not for Class A, I think potentially when you see it go from B to C one, is just the flow of the game. Like, for me personally, coming from a Class B school where you saw a lot of slower games, lower scoring games, and then now coaching in Class A where it's a lot more up-tempo. Tempo. Like, you're yeah. seeing a lot more up and down, like, not running sets. I mean, you see, still see sets, but it's more of, like, five-out motion, trying to get downhill, trying to kick and drive. Like, Class B, C1, some of those you see a lot more sets. I think in the next hopefully in the next couple years where you see it go down and it's going to be a big adjustment for coaches being able to try to play a little faster but i also think that but i think it's going to be better for a game well yeah and and from our perspective as coaches we're supposed to make ourselves the best coach that we can be right and so shouldn't that push us to get better and prepare for those situations as well and and so you're record you're you're rewarding the better coaches because they are more prepared for more possessions per yep. game as well. You yes. know, um, like I said, you get one or two great ball handlers. It doesn't take a genius to figure out, hey, let's just spread this thing out. There's four minutes left. Wow. We're up six. Let's spread this thing out and, and, and okay, catch the ball and dribble the ball. That's all we have to do. Right. Yep. And, and make free throws. And there's a lot, you know, I was, I was thinking about this driving down here this afternoon after the news came out this morning. You know, just as as coaches, there's a lot we're going to have to learn in a hurry. Yeah. Coaching with a shot clock, you know, like in game situations. Okay, now we don't have to foul. You know, mm-hmm. we're we're going to get the ball back. Do we not foul? Do we, you know, two for one? Two for. I was two just going to say ones. two for one. Yeah, exactly. yeah you know, that's going to be big. You're going to have to teach your team I've two for that, ones. I've had that conversation with with college coaches before. Where well, podcast contributor a while ago, Matt Fritchie. Um, you know, I when he was a, an assistant at Creighton. I used to ask him, like, you know, is, is two crappy shots better than one good one? You know, like run down and throw something up so, so you can get a two-for-one? Is that really better than, than one good possession? You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but so there's there's all those kind of things that come into play that as, as coaches, um, you know, we're going to have to think about and work on and practice and prepare our kids. And I think, and I think on top of coach, I think it's going to be a – not as much for kids, but I think if the kids are going to have to realize they're going to have to know time and situation a little bit more than they do now. Besides, when we under a minute, like yeah. or under fifteen seconds, we got to run this certain set, or we're running this. Like Absolutely. knowing, like oh, thirty-five seconds. There's forty seconds. We can hold for a shot at thirty-five yeah. seconds to go to forty seconds. And, and that gets back to my point of rewarding the best teachers of the game, yeah. not and having your kids prepared. Not fouling for at the end of the clock. Yeah, you know, like. And you guarded for 30 seconds, and then you you hack a kid with two seconds left on the shot clock. Like yeah. seriously, you know, like those all those kind of things are going to be teaching points. Yeah, yeah. We had this conversation last night of girls being students of the game. Yeah, 
where now, if you have the shot clock, now you're really going to be a student of the game. So all these points these other coaches have brought up is now the players have got to realize, hey, they might have to watch another basketball game to see the points of this. Hey, if I'm in this situation, so it's not as coaches wasting a timeout reteaching uh-huh. these new points. It's a player saying, hey, I'm going to take a little step up and say, hey, I'm going to watch two or three basketball games where there's a shot clock involved. Yeah. So yeah, and I think that's new for kids. We talked about that all the time. Watching a game and being a student of the game is going to be big for these Class A players. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we haven't talked about this, and Kruger, you brought this up, and I thought this was a a brilliant topic. And I, I, I It's the first time I've ever linked the words <laughs> Mark Kruger and brilliance ever. T- together in the same sentence. I, I, think, I, think he's, I think he's brilliant every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he signs your picture. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've we've been. Uh, I guess uh, we'll lead with this. We've been observing some players, and uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. We just had a. We just had a. You know, uh, something happened here. We're good. Uh, we, we just had a, uh, a Coach Markley just kind of just got up and left here. So he'll be back. Um, but anyway, uh, what we're, oh, yeah, we were discussing uh, and observing players over the last couple of days and and voting for postseason honors and, and recognition and things like that. You know, what are some of the criteria that you consider that you look at when you're thinking about voting for a kid for uh, your your all conference team or or your your all district teams or your all state teams and you're, you're sending that stuff into the local papers or however however it works in your personal situation, uh, I know I have the the things that I look at. Um, so Casey, we'll start with you on this one. Is when when you were a head coach, what were some of the things that you were looking? Yeah, at? I mean it's been a handful of years since I've done it, but I mean you always. As everyone says, they look at teams' records. They look at how many points kids score and all that stuff. I mean, I think one thing is also how the kids carry themselves. Um, I know it's not always on the coach, but you got to kind of look at how the coach carries themselves and coaches their team too. Like, are they always trying to get to that one per- certain person? Are they trying to get it to multiple people? Um, I think a lot of it is you look at – I mean, I think for me it was how you how you carried yourself during the game and off the floor. I mean, there was a couple kids. I remember one especially from Beatrice when I coached. Like, she was the best player by far on the floor, and she went on to play D1, but she also carried herself well off the floor. Like, she'd always respect what you said, always played the game the right way. Like, even though she was – She was a – she, like, five-star kid. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking she about. She dealt with yeah. injuries to her career. Like, oh, wow. she was one of the best oh. kids – you could walk up and talk to and have a conversation with and she'd always acknowledge you and stuff like that like not that not that she played the game really well but she was a good kid off the floor too and I think that's one way I look at it that I looked at it and I think it's tougher now because you don't have that always have that relationship or be able to talk to kids that way because you got AAU you got certain things they don't may not talk to you because you coach at a certain school but that was one thing I always looked at is how you carry yourself, not just between the lines, but outside the lines. Welcome back. <laughs> Thank you, Isaiah. I was trying to piece together the conversation. I started with Mark Kruger and Brilliance. And you guys were talking about physiques when I came back, so I mean, yeah, those have to go hand That's what caused hand. him to leave. He I, I, fell I, out of his chair. Yeah. 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 Um, but so, go, go ahead, Kruger. No, yeah, so we're, we'll, we'll get Markley back up to speed here. So. When it, it's, really, it's really hard, so... I've been around the, the girls' game in, in Omaha, Nebraska now for, you know, over close to 20 years now, and and the game has grown so much. Um, I can remember my, my first few years, it was really the haves and the have-nots. Um, and now there's so many good players now. It's so deeper, um, and it really makes those kind of things hard, where it, it used to be pretty easy, you know, of course, you always have your Gatorade Player of the Year and that yeah. sort of thing. But now there's so many good players. And I think, you know, the way it used to be was just, well, which kids averaged the most points. And so yeah. they were automatically on there. But now I think, you know, there's there's such an importance on 
you know, what a kid can add to a team without scoring yeah. um, that, that people see more now and things like that. And that just makes it even harder. Um, and so it really is kind of that beauty in the eye of the beholder thing. Um, and then, like Coach Shaw was saying, when you, if you add on to it, like, like you could have a, a kid averaging 22 a game, but, you know, on the floor – they're, they're, they don't appear to be a good teammate um, or they have, you know, horrible body language or complain about every call. You know, then for me, gosh, I hate to punish a kid that's a really good deserving player, but at the same time, like, gosh, that makes it hard. Well, do you want that kid in your foxhole? I, I think is an important question that you need to ask. If, if I'm constructing my team, and, and, you know, kind of the old Bill Simmons thing, you know, the aliens are invading, who do we, and, and we got to play it out here. Uh, you know, who who do I want on my team to beat the aliens? And, and if we've got to beat the aliens, if a kid's got bad body language and is complaining about calls and doing this and doing that, is that somebody that I want with that group? Yeah, you know? and, and sometimes I've, I've called or texted or emailed a coach because I might not know the kid very well, you know. Maybe I have it wrong. And so I'll just, you know, reach out to the coach and be like, look, hey, tell me about this kid. Is she deserving? Um, and I've had, you know, or there's other situations where coach has a couple of different players and, you know, maybe they don't want, you know, they, I don't want to, they, where they split the votes, you know. So coach... I, I, I want to vote for one of your kids. Which do you feel like is more deserving? Because obviously he he or she knows much more about the situation than I do. So, And I think with that, like Mark was saying, like for him now, like as he's coaching the Metro in Omaha for the most part, like trying to, you know most of those kids. Like when I coached in Class B, when Paul coaching in Class B, and Marty in C1, like, it's a bigger, more broader, bigger range of knowing, like, do I know this kid out west that right. averages, like, 20 points and eight rebounds a game or something like that? Can you – you got to find a way to be able to vote for him or not. Right. I mean, and be able to talk to a coach would be a good thing. Like, for Marty's sake, if you got a team out in Gothenburg, let's say, which is C1, do you know anything about those kids? So you got to be able to reach out and find out more about them because you're not going to see them right. as much. Um, Polly, what do you think? Yeah, we had talked about our, with our kids. We talk about the palms up kids. So we're talking about the good kids. The good kids are, if there's a foul called on them, their palms don't go up to the referees saying, hey, why me, why this, that kind of stuff. It's a, They're going to take whatever happens. So. The mentality of a player is the same from the beginning of a game to the end of the game. So you can have your players that are the 14-point gift players, the 10 rebounds. But if anything that goes wrong against them, it's the palms up, the why me, why this kind of stuff. Well, that's not the mentality you want on a team for the leader part of it. So I agree with these guys. I think it's really good to have that part of the part where, hey, we want a team that's a leader maybe on the court and off the court. I think that's really important. Yeah. Another thing that I look at is, you know, where do we prioritize? You know, say, let's say, you know, we're playing Millard West, and you've got player A and player B, you know, player A, B, C. Uh, where do we prioritize that on our scouting report? Like, you know, what do we need to take away? You know, which player do are we more willing to let go off, you know, and, and that value of it? And I think that's another thing that you look at and obviously you have certain kids that you play against you know well that kid averages 20 a game well no crap we got to do something against that kid but right. it, it, like you said kind of if if millard west has a kid that averages 14 a game and another kid that averages 12 a game and other kids that average 11 a game but there's different levels of how you see they get those 14 12 and 11 points a game and, and what is more difficult to game plan against right. you know I think that's another big thing that I look at when I'm voting on on all conference. And obviously, you know, if when you're voting for the top kid in your conference or the second kid, it, that's pretty easy. It's just like with anything else. It's if you have five teams on your, or if you have five kids on your first team all conference, well, it's always hardest between four, five, six, and seven usually. Right. You know, and, but those are kind of the the difference makers that I look at. Other than 
the stuff that we've talked about here as well. So, right. so um, anything else on that one, guys? I don't think so. I think no? we kind of hit it all. All right, perfect. Um, let's talk about um, sliding into different coaching roles. You know, sliding into, you know, we, we all have kind of done that throughout our careers. Uh, you know, Casey, you were head coach for a long time, and now you're a full-time assistant with, with Mark. And, Paul, you've done, you know, you're a head coach, but then you're kind of Casey's assistant during the summertime and, you know, doing different things like that, you know. Uh, even sliding in from being a head coach of your high school team to a head coach of an AAU team is, is, a, is a different role diversification, you know. How do you approach that mentally? As, as you get ready to do that or as you go into that. Paul, let's start with you here. Uh, for me, it's it's kind of nice. I, I love the both of them, so it's nice to go. I'm kind of a control freak at times where I want to be in charge of my team. There's things where my assistants might give me their points, but I'm kind of like, hey, I'm going to do it this way, no matter what my assistants say. But there's times where when I'm in the summer with Casey, he looks at me and says, hey, what do you think about this? And I'm okay with, hey, here's my two cents. You can take it and leave it. I don't care. It's up to you. If something goes wrong, I blame it on the head coach. <laughs> so that's the best part. So. Yeah. And there's things with, Thanks, different, Paul. with different sports. So it's, I'm an assistant coach for tennis, and that's just a dream job. So I can be able to come in. I feel like as an assistant, and maybe Casey can vouch for this, maybe not, it's way less stressed where I feel like I'm more able to go and be more personal with the uh, kids themselves, the players themselves. Uh, there's more times in tennis, I'll joke around with kids more in that sport than I can in basketball. I think more. You don't have that same edge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there, maybe that's because different sports, different seasons, head coach to assistant coach. I think that's maybe a big difference. But no, I I love both because I'm a big guy. Where hey, this is my way or the highway. Three yeah. times basketball, but yeah, hey. Other times where, hey, assist coach, I just need that mental relaxation maybe kind of thing. Or, hey, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you my two cents if you like it. Awesome. If you don't like it, hey, don't take it. It's fine with me. I don't care. Yeah. Do, do you think it helps you to have that perspective? Because you know what it's like to get three different suggestions from three different assistant yeah. coaches. Yeah. And it's like, okay, if they take it, if they take it, I, I get – where they're coming from as the head coach. Absolutely. I think that's key for everything. So, And as a head coach, it's nice to hear other people's opinions. Hey, I understand that. There's situations where Coach Kruger might do something different than me or Coach Hall might do something different than me. Coach Palm, you might do something different than me. It's nice to hear those opinions. And maybe every now and then, hey, you know what? Hey, I think your opinion's right. Maybe I need to change how I'm thinking, how I'm coaching, and take that opinion. But there's other times where, I'm, hey, I've done this my way this many years where I appreciate your opinion, but, yeah, I'm still going to go with what I'm doing. And the aspects of saying, hey, if something goes wrong, I can say it to everybody. This is my decision. I was the one that made that choice. It was my assistance. I made that choice, and I've got to live with that. So either right or wrong, I'll take the blame for it. Mark? Um, Yeah, I've I've got lots of perspective on this. I've, I've, again, been doing this a long time now and, and worn a lot of hats. Um, when I when I started out um, as a right out of college as a as a teacher and a coach, I was a a, a JV boys assistant coach, um, and you know just it was at a smaller school in Iowa and just kind of thrown into it and you just did whatever the head coach. Again, I was I was a rookie and um, had, had zero coaching experience. You know, coming right out of college and just did whatever the, the coach wanted me to do and did the best I could and I learned um, and then I had the opportunity then to at that same school after three years to slide over and be the, the head coach um, with again zero head coaching experience and the, the athletic director there was the was the wrestling coach and so girls basketball was not on the top of his priority list necessarily but he was just glad that well, why not? Somebody, somebody wanted the job yeah. um, and I tell you what, what hit me, it was, I was, I was pretty naive, like, oh, I can, I can do this, you know, I can, I can take care of this, and uh, there was a a former, a former coach who was, who was retired coach, who was teaching in the building at the time, and had been a very successful coach, and it came up to me one day, and he's like, you know, congratulations on getting the job, I'm like, thanks, I'm excited, and he's like, 
so what's your philosophy? And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, what's your offensive philosophy? How are you going to play? What's your defensive philosophy? What are you going to play? All things that probably should have been asked to me in the interview. Um, but he really made my wheels turn. You know, like, i got to have answers for all these things. Mm-hmm. And um, so it really made me understand the difference between being an assistant and a head coach. And, and again, I've been – I've been an assistant um, and boys and girls, and I've been a, a, a girls reserve coach. Um, to, so I've done, I've worn all the hats, and it is a big difference. Um, but I've also learned that you know that assistant coaches want to coach, and I've tried to you know I've been coaching with Casey now a few years, and I've handed a lot of things over to him, kind of like made him defensive coordinator with you know with over override rules. <laughs> By my, by so we got so. Mike Ditka and Buddy Ryan here, you know. <laughs> so, so. Um, Parcells and Belichick. Yeah. So. Yeah. But again, it, part of that is you got to have coaches that you trust, and you got to have coaches that, that know what they're doing. And I'm lucky to have that. Um, so, and I think someday when when I'm done being a head coach, um, I would I would love to take Casey's role. And you know, we all we all know a familiar face around the Omaha area was like Jeff Ritz, who was a longtime coach. I know he's Marty's assistant. Um, and he was a head coach for a long time, and now he's living the dream. Yeah. He's retired, and he's, in a, he's the varsity assistant. He doesn't have to handle parents. He just comes to practice every day and puts his two cents in. He still gets to be around kids. I think, man, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so I would love to do that someday and step back. And, and well, you had that with Shelsta, basically, didn't you? Exactly. Terry yeah. Shelsta, um, longtime boys coach at Omaha Benson, super successful. I don't know what all the, how it works or – he needs to be in some kind of Nebraska Hall of Fame someday. Uh, but he took retirement and then came down to Bellevue West when I was an assistant and was, was the varsity assistant um, and, uh, and just was a, a great um, you know, kind of like shoulder to lean on and, hey, uh-huh. coach, because he'd seen everything. Yeah. And so he was, he was great advice, and we had some young coaches on the staff, and uh-huh. he, was, he was a great um, kind of stability to lean on. Yeah, and, and the, the, the great thing that I had with Jeff, and I'm sure you guys kind of have the same thing, is if something happened where, whether it was on the court or off the court, I could call Jeff or we could talk about it, and he knew exactly how I was feeling. Like, he had been there as a head coach. He understood that. And you can you can say that to somebody who's never been a head coach, and they'll be like, "Okay, I under yeah, I yeah, man, that's that's hard. I under yeah, I understand." No, you don't. No, you don't. And 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 that's what was so nice for me having Jeff for seven or eight years was when I just needed to call him up and just vent about the things that you need to vent about as a head coach. I had somebody that had truly walked many miles in my shoes and understood the perspective of that and, and and that's a great thing that i'm sure you guys have as well yeah and there's you know those guys again like terry and and ritzy there's there's not a situation they've never you know they've, they've seen it all at least no. once no. um and so except when i had to wake up jeff a couple of times <laughs> on the bench you know but, but sorry jeff i that never really happened so. um but you know whether it was a parent issue um dealing with a, a player you know or something on the court whatever whatever it may be they they'd had experience dealing with it and so it was really again comforting to know that okay um you know, whether it's right or not you never know mm-hmm. but at least it's it's someone who you can you, you trust who who's had to make those decisions before yeah Chance on me, 
hand when I he hired me as a freshman reserve coach, like, he goes, you can come to varsity stuff, you can do what you want, I know it's up to you. Yeah. And I took my time out, the family to come to all the varsity stuff, I showed up, but I also didn't try to overstep my lines, like, yeah. I sat at the end of the bench, I did what I needed to, but I would bring ideas up, and if they took them, they didn't, I mean, if he or any other coaches took my opinion, they'd take him. If not, that's great. But I think that's one thing is going from a head coach to an assistant or vice versa. Like, you've got to trust the people that you work with and also get to know them, not just on the basketball court, outside of what, outside of what they do. Uh-huh. Um, kind of learn learn from each other. And, and I, think, I think that's a big thing for you. Uh-huh. Making sure you, you talk, you discuss, you sidewise like Paul and I coaching each other for painful years like we were friends before we were we coached together so like we both have different philosophies on how to do things so just make sure you talk to each other I think that's one big thing going from assistant varsity or assistant to head coach like either way because you're going to mix that somewhere in your career yeah yeah and as as an assistant well as a head coach and an assistant like Obviously, having a relationship is really big, but as, an, as, an, as a head coach, you don't just want your assistants to be yes men, uh-huh. you know. So you want you want them to you want them to be able to to uh, to tell you if they don't agree with something or they think maybe we can try something different. You don't just want your your staff to agree with the head coach no matter what. Uh-huh. Um, and and my staff is great about that. And so then vice versa, as an assistant coach. If there's things you see or you think, like you need to be, you need to have the confidence to express that to your head coach, yeah, um, and and be able to have those those conversations. Yeah. Well, there there were multiple occasions where, after a game, or the next day, you know, Ritz would come in. I I really thought about what you did here, and that was stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, and, and you know what? By that point, I had probably figured out, but but. But I was I was willing to have I, I told Jeff give me the truth 100 percent of the time I don't I you know you've been around this game longer than I have I'm I, I want you to to look at it from a completely different perspective than me and and those first that, that first year or two there were some some bumps in the road between us because uh, you know Jeff was very much a half court zone. Let's work that thing around. Jeff Ritz would not be probably a big fan of, of the rule change today back in the back in the day, you know, when he was at Miller North. And and I was like, let's pressure the ball 94 by 50. Let's get it out. Let's run, you know, and that type of thing. So that first year or two, you know, there, there was some butting of heads, but it was it was creative butting of heads. And and where we ended up kind of landing is we kind of took a little bit of both. And, and as I explained to him my philosophy, he'd say, okay, I get that. I see how that fits into it. But then I would listen to him talk about things like, okay, I get that. Let's do that then too. And and I and, and, and you have to be able, like you said, I think the, one of the most important things is you got to have assistant coaches that are willing to tell you the truth. And then as a head coach, you've got to be able to listen to that. And, and be able to say, yeah, you're right, I was wrong, or, yeah, we should have done that, we're going to do that next time, so forth and so on. And, and that I think, validates that assistant And I think with that, role. like, one thing that Paul said earlier was, like, you got to trust who you're talking to. Like, sometimes the assistants have a better relationship, or not not better, but they can handle, the re- handle something during the in-game to be able to, like, connect with the girl or boy, if it, whatever it is, like, hey, this is what you're doing wrong, this is, hey, He's not mad at you. You're not getting benched for doing one thing wrong. Like, it, yeah. we need to talk to you. You screwed up a bunch in. of times. You just didn't right. screw up once. You screwed up a bunch right. of times. Like, so I want you to. We're talking about <laughs> what kidding. you need to change for this one possession. Or, like, there's been a couple times the last couple years where I've moved up on Mark's staff where it's like, hey, these girls need to come out. One, they didn't sprint back. Like, get them out, put five new ones in. Like, and he's like, really? I'm like, they need to, they need to know that it's not just like, Run jog back for a layup. Like mm-hmm. they're gonna make teams miss layups. It doesn't matter if it's wide open or not. Like you need to sprint back. You can't get to half court and turn around and go back. Yeah. And I think I think that's one thing. Like the head coach has to look and like really, yeah. 
I mean, that, like we we all see it, and but the head coach may not see everything that's going on because they're concentrated on something else, like yeah. being able to open up together and being able to see it and it, handing it off is a yeah. great and, thing. You know, when you have like I do again, you have I have a varsity assistant that's been a head coach. One of the things they probably need is is a seatbelt on the bench. <laughs> Sometimes yes, yes. they get they get really into it, and that's great. And I'm you know obviously I'm giving him a hard time, but you know sometimes the official gets you the hey, one guy gets to stand. That's it. Wow, I'm pulling him back. It, off it, the court. It, it, there, there was, it, it, there was uh, I'm not going to lie. There was one <laughs> assistant coach earlier this week, and I won't mention who it was, who got about a five second butt chewing in the middle of a state tournament game. Uh, from an official, yeah. uh, sit down, and, and I'm sure it, a lot of it was sit down and shut up. I'm yeah. tired of hearing you talking during type of a thing. During the summer, I've got to bring my dog leash and the retractable <laughs> leash for Coach Hall. I put him on that. Hey, Coach, you have to put this on your wrist. Yeah. If you get too far up, I'm going to pull you back here a little bit. So you guys assistant. remember? You guys remember that old uh, Saturday Night Live skit with Mike Mike, Mike Myers? <laughs> that that hyper hypo, you know, yeah. type of you know. Yeah. Is that? A little bit, yeah. Okay, depends depends on the day, <laughs> and it may not always be yelling at officials. It might be just, just trying coaching. to. Right. I'm coaching. trying to tell coaching. them where they're going. Just I'm not, coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, this is something uh, I, I thought of today. I was watching one of the games. Um, how do you make every kid in your program feel important? You know, I, I think one of the important things that. We need to do, and obviously you can't have, you know, if your freshman team has, let's say, 15 kids out for your freshman team, or, or 20 or 30, whatever the number is, you obviously can't have 15 seniors. You know, when that group is, is seniors, you're not going to have 15 of them. I get that, you know. Uh, but I think one of our biggest roles is to have our kids have a great experience. And I think, uh, you know, when kids don't come back out, a lot of the times next year, some of it is reading the handwriting on the wall. Some of it is, I'd rather do stuff with the drama department, or I'd rather concentrate on football, or whatever it may be. But also sometimes it's, um, yeah, coach just—I don't even know if coach realizes I'm in the on the team, or I'm I'm part of the program, or whatever it may be. And and we all know we're all competitive. It, we're all varsity coaches. We all understand that there's times where. Hey, here's the here's the five to seven kids I really truly trust for tonight's game, or in the fourth quarter, and you know whatever it may be. Our our most important job when it comes to game nights is we gotta win that game. But I think you can also win games by making everybody feel important within your program. So what are some things that you guys have done to make your kids feel valued, feel important? You know how do you make that that thirteenth and fourteenth kid on the bench or that freshman B team player? feel that they are important and valued within your programs whoever wants to start start? because i'm going to tie this into the assistant coaches part so i have a brand new coaching uh, staff this year uh mike gentry is a softball coach from scott's bluff coaching basketball for the first time uh he came in probably weekend in practice hey coach mark can i try something different with the staff but yep hey do what you gotta do so here's all i want to do so Go for it. So we did a practice player every day. So it's varsity JV practice player. So it's one of the things where after each practice, uh, coach JV varsity would pick a player that they thought worked the best for that day. Maybe not our best athlete, but the best person. And he's got three kids, like so he's got kids like me. So we had some random stuff. We'd go to give out. So some days it would be a rubber ducky <laughs> that the girls would get. Uh, so it's one of the things where at the end of the day, coach, and the girls are super excited. One day the girls got a stick. So he had a couple of girls. He told his daughters, like, hey, go outside and get a random stick pine cone to give to the players. So that player that day is like, oh, hey, I got a stick. There's times like we'd have like gift cards given to us. Like, hey, we give a $5 gift card to scooters. Get the players. So that was big. So it was one of those things where every day, though, before practice, we'd say, hey. And as a head coach, I knew he was a charges, so I would just pump the kids up. Hey, you never know what today's gift is. Like, hey, this could be a good one, so work hard. Then, of course, the girls that busted their butt that day, and they got a stick. <laughs> like, screw you, coaches. I hate you. I'm never hard again. Like, but the girls that, like, we had a couple of girls got a cowboy hat. So, we, hey, 
post for this. We're going to take pictures, put on Twitter. So that part there is just trying to get all those kids say, hey, number one doesn't have a better chance than number 22 to practice player. So it's just working hard of that kind of stuff. It's what we were doing. Game-wise, we didn't really too much, do too much different at Ralston. But for practice, we went, hey, if you're number one, number 32, it doesn't matter if for us it's number one or 18. It doesn't matter. Hey, if you're working hard, we're all recognizing it. So work hard. You never know what you're going to get. Maybe a stick, maybe a gift card. You never know. Yeah. Um, that's that's a really important thing. Um, a couple of things that come to mind. I, I love what Paul was just saying. I'm going to steal that. Write that down, Casey. Um, I'll put that on my list. A couple of things. We, yep. I don't know where I got he's, it. From. He's delegating to the staff on exactly. that one. There. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know where I got this from. At a, at a clinic or somewhere. I'm sure I heard another coach do it. But uh, we, we do. We do started doing a thing um, at the end of uh, at the end of some practices. We call it a spotlight drill. Um, and all it was was basically when when practice was over and we come to center court, you know, clap it in. Um, we call it spotlight. And you guys clap it in. We clap it out. Oh, really? So. As, as long as there's clapping. Yeah, there's, there's uh, yeah. clapping, yes. Yeah. Um, but I – and so we, I, sometimes I may call on just random kids or I may say, okay, today it's juniors or sophomores or whatever, but we'll, we'll spotlight kids. And so so I'll say, hey, you know, senior, seniors today, you guys are sp- spotlight somebody. And so then they have to pick out somebody in practice that, that did something well. Like, hey, today I'm spotlighting Susie because – she, I saw her dive on the floor at least three times in that drill. And we'll give her a couple claps and, you know, then, okay, who do you got? Yeah. Um, and we started doing that kind of randomly. And the first year I did it, we, we started doing it at the very beginning of the year. And then as the season gets going, kind of kind of forgot about it and because we're out of time or whatever. And then I had, a, I had a, a girl or a couple girls come up and say, hey, coach, can we do that spotlight thing again? We haven't done that in like a week. And it just kind of hit me like, Man, they they enjoyed that, and so we. I, I, I'd be lying if I said we did it every day, but I, I make a conscious effort to try to do that. Um, and I think again, especially when it comes from their peers, um, it's big, and we'll do it as coaches too. And then the other thing, I, again, there's there's a hundred ways to skin a cat, and I, I'm not saying I do everything right for sure, but um, over the years I've had kids, kind of like what you were saying, Marty, that have maybe maybe they see the writing on the wall that hey. My basketball playing days are going to be over here. Um, and I've had several kids tell you, but, hey, I'm not going to play next year, but can I be a manager? Like, I still want to be around every day. And that's really makes me as a coach feel like we're doing something right, that these kids still want to be a part of it. Um, and, I, of course, I'm never going to turn those kids down, and we'll find a job for them and a role for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really um, – and I've had kids this year, like one of our managers – she already said, "Hey, I'm just checking. Can I do this again next year?" Like, yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I, our, one of our managers asked if she could manage this summer. Oh, wow. like, like, can she do stuff this summer? Hey, Riley, come on in. Yep. So, um, by the way, we just got served a, a bunch of great food here. We've got some some nachos. We got some fried pickles. Uh, what'd you get? Pizza sticks. We've got some cheese balls. Uh, Carter Plum in a few minutes is going to give us a, give him a few minutes to kind of dip into things here. Uh, but Carter, we, we had Michael Plum give the food review of Mellow Mushroom the other day, so Carter Plum will be coming on here in a little bit as well. And then so, one more thing on that previous topic about how you make every kid feel important. Random thought. Tell them. Yeah. You know, like, tell kids they're important mm-hmm. and, and communicate with them. And I think just a little thing like we run a drill we call it kansas it's five ball you know it's like a three person down everybody gets a shot the person that shoots the layup comes back with the people that you know everybody does it but just standing on the side just calling out kids names you know hey you good job good job nice shot good layup Mm -hmm. good pass just by saying kids names and hearing their name i think that it sounds like such a little thing but i think it goes a long ways Mm -hmm. so yeah I think I think with I mean now as an assistant like I think I think as an assistant coach you have to build not that the head coach doesn't build a relationship with them they've got a lot of things on their plate dealing with not just in-game stuff 
practice stuff outside of stuff with booster club or youth stuff or administration, like everything. Like I think now as an assistant coach, I think the big thing is is you've got to know not everything about every kid, but you've got to know about the kid, like how they react to certain things, how you can coach them. And I think that has to overlay on from you letting the head coach know, like, hey, they're not one that likes to get yelled at. You've got to talk to them in a certain way. Like, you can't just yell at them because they, you lose them. Or this girl, she wants to be yelled at because she's going to play better that way. I think I think I've learned that just going from the head coach to assistant spot, like being able to connect more with them, not just on the JV level, but as a, like, varsity level, JV, like, being able to talk to them as a friend almost more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, to just talk to them and find out where they're at, figure out well, where they're feeling. Well, you're kind of the grandpa, and he's the dad, <laughs> you know. Good so. cop, bad cop kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. good cop, bad cop, yeah. yeah. You know. like, I don't know. You know, I'm sure every coach does it different, but, like, when we're – scrimmaging or, or doing stuff in, in practice where we're kind of, you know, our, our varsity, we we played eight or nine kids this year, so those eight or nine kids would be on one side and, you know, our JV crew kind of on the other, and we're, we're playing. I'm out on the court. You know, I'm, I'm coaching and talking and going up and down on the court, and Coach Hall's on the sidelines with our kids, and he's rotating them in and out. Uh-huh. So he hears them on the sidelines, uh-huh. you know, so he'll, after practice, he'll tell me something. I'm like, how did you know that? Well, I heard him talking on the sideline. You know, this kid's got a sore back, or this kid got this, or whatever, whatever it may be. I'm like, how did how did you know that? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I and so, and like you said, it's not that we're trying to micromanage them or things like that, but um, being able to know that stuff that's going on in their life or whatever, and yeah, um, just to communicate is is a big deal. You know, one of the things that you brought up, uh, Mark, that that I try to do. And we're we're all in a, in a situation where uh, the club sports uh, and other different sports really are, are something I, I, we have to work with. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that terminology very loosely in that regard. Um, and one of the things that I try to do with my players that let's say I've got a volleyball player who I know is leaving my practice twice a week and going playing volleyball a couple hours um, I try to tell that kid about every three weeks or so hey I know you're really busy right now I really appreciate all that you're doing and the sacrifices you're making to still play basketball because I know that you could just forget about us and go play volleyball soccer softball but you're choosing to be here, and I just want you to know that I appreciate the time and the effort that you're putting in as well. And, and I think that helps because we need those multi-sport kids who bas- where basketball might not be their number one or even maybe in some cases not even their, their number two, uh, but we need them as part of our teams and our programs to help us do well and to be contributing members to our varsity rotations or in the future they're going to be part of our rotation and and i think those conversations are just those little 20 or 30 second interactions every three weeks or so that really helps that kid know that you get what they're going through at that time because it is stressful oh by the way while they're going to basketball practice every day or they got either got a basketball practice basketball game they got a club sport. Oh, yeah, they're going to school seven hours a day, too. And, oh, yeah, they're also trying to be a teenager as well. And, and some of these kids might even have a little part-time job on the side well, as well. And, and a you lot know. of my kids actually study. What's that? <laughs> I know. What is this S like, we'll you speak of? We'll hear them. Like, if we're, if we're stretching or something like that, like, I was studying for this till 2 in the morning. <laughs> I, I kind of laugh. Like, I've never done that in my life, you know, yeah. like. So you're right. They got a lot of stuff going on, um, and it's like I, I tell our kids sometimes too. You know, if it was, if this was easy, everybody would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is. It is hard. And if if coming to practice is a is a job to them or a negative place, you know, why are they why are they doing that? And 
obviously you don't. It's, it, you know, we're, we're we're taking things serious. We're working hard. It's not it's not recess, mm-hmm. but there's got to be that balance there too, where they they want to come to practice. Mm-hmm. And I've been lucky again. The group we have right now, they we have a group that they they really enjoy working hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm lucky in that sense. Yep. Anything else had to add to that, fellas? One last thing that we do, and maybe you guys do this, maybe you don't, but if you don't, I would highly suggest it. Uh, we break all of our kids up from Mars Kids, JV Kids. I break them up in like three teams, and I have my assistant coaches run a team, and we do last-second situations, or last-minute situations, but I'm the referee, to where the kids now are learning to listen from another coach I'm coming to one of your practices yet, next year, and I'm just going to stand I've, on the sideline and berate you. Oh, I've, That's I've te- crap, Markley. That was I've, an awful I've call. Up, I'm not lying. I've teed up a lot of girls by team. Like, hey, <laughs> here's what happens. If you put your palms up by Coach Markley as a referee, I'm going to tee you up. So they've lost their uh, team a lot of situations because of the palms up. So I love the idea of just putting your assistant coaches too. And it gives your assistant coaches that opportunity to be the head coach. Or they try to give you all of those opportunities. Like, hey, Coach Mark, we think we should do this. And at times I don't listen to them. Like, hey, here's your chance. Yeah. You got the reins. Take it. I think it's awesome for the kids to see this. Hey, God, we were so close to this situation where it's, hey, you're down two points, 30 seconds to go. Yep. You got to whatever, a full timeout and your double bonus. And the referee's pissed off. So don't give the referee that bad look because he's going to tee you up kind of stuff. So I think that's also another way to get all the kids involved. So it's not just your varsity kids. It's everyone. So then your JV kids are working with your varsity kids, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. I love that idea. We've done that every year. It's big at Ralston. All right. All right. Carter Plum, it, it is time. You go to grab Coach Markley's headset here. Um, we got him. We got him ready. Are you coming through here, buddy? You're on there? Now is it good? Now it's on? Yeah. All right. Uh, what do you have? Some pizza sticks? I had some pizza sticks. From from the end zone here? Yes. Uh, what do you think? I thought it was very good. Could you elaborate any further <laughs> than that? It's like a reward for the younger viewers that get that. Um, it was very fast service, very cost efficient. And the atmosphere plays a big part here. It's always very loud, small town feel, even if you're in a big city. So yes, very good. Are you are you going to ask him to build a end zone up at SDSU so you can yeah. have more? Of the I'll food? found it. I'll found it. You'll found it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're paying enough for it. Might as well build one. <laughs> you know. So, all right. Uh, so Carter Plum. We just got a great positive review for the end zone on the podcast here. So, so, uh, but you know, look up uh, Todd Campfield. He has been awesome to work with. He has welcomed us in here with open arms here today. Uh, really, really good podcast today. A lot of really uh, great information that we passed around the table here today. Uh, Kruger, Casey, Polly, uh, thanks for coming on here today, fellas. Uh, G, we miss you. Come on down at some point. Uh, you know, get off that milk carton, Coach Gerlez. We, we miss you here. So uh, third podcast of the week down here at the Nebraska State Tournament. And that cheering you hear in the background, uh, Nebraska just went up 31 to 20. Folks, Nebraska may be the first team ever to finish 500 and win a national championship in men's basketball here. They are gonna they are on a three game winning streak. And they just may sweep through the Big Ten tournament here. That would put them at 15 wins. And then six wins in the NCAA tournament, that would put them at 21 and 21 for the season. That was going to be my comment. If they did that, I don't know if they'd still be to 500. Yep, they would be at 21 and 21. So the math works out perfectly. So you got the Hawkeyes waiting for them tomorrow. Yep. Uh, So, hey, no, guys, thanks so much for your time. I hope you uh, enjoy everything we were able to provide. Coaches, I hope you enjoyed our discussion today. Uh, We covered a lot of really, really good things with a lot of really, really good thoughts. So, coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.